1: welcome back everyone to ready set go real estate investing podcast i'm your host brandon elliott today we are going to be diving in this is another monday this is a special monday this is labor day so we hope that this finds you well if you're listening to this this is actually going to be a couple weeks out when you guys are listening to this on uh on the podcast ready set go real estate investing but if you're checking this out live hope you guys this finds you well so we, we have this sneak peek right here, and uh, we're going to be diving into wholesaling today with my buddy Marco. What's up, Marco? How you doing?
2: Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. It's a great day. Labor Day, we're going to talk uh, some fun fun facts about real estate.
1: That's right. So you've been doing it for a good amount of time now, cherry picking some of the best deals. You have a portfolio of 30 units, which is awesome. Looking to get more into the multi scene as well. And currently you hold events, you have some education out there to really help more people get started in the wholesaling industry. And you started off doing it by yourself. Then you started building this team and really have this thing like autopilot, just crushing it. And what we're gonna cover a little bit today is how you build that team and how you first originally got started. But for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind just diving into who you are, where you come from, and what you've done the last couple of years?
2: Sure. I'll give you a quick synopsis. And again, thank you for having me. I'm excited to go into this and cover all the different details and to take any questions. So uh, my real estate journey really started about 10 years ago. I joined a local education mentor group and I'm based out of San Antonio. I was a member there. I paid for one of the memberships and I was so involved. I was there all the time basically really annoying I was like a 22 year old kid trying to like figure this out so I was always at the office and they saw my drive and they asked me to become a real estate agent and Mm -hmm. the real estate agents for that company basically found investment properties for the membership so the clients of the company and that's what I would do I would just find properties all day long and it was a great opportunity for me to leverage these experiences learn how these investors reviewed the deals how they evaluate it when problems arose you know, how did they overcome those items? How did they finance it? You know, how did they review rehab and, and close it? And what are their exit strategies? So it was a great opportunity for me to learn on a pretty good high volume basis, but didn't have any of my own money at risk. From there, you know, as an agent, you're kind of limited on the amount of money you can make as far as on a per deal basis. So during this process, I learned what wholesaling was. Mm. wholesaling at its you know, simplest form is just where you contract a property at a discounted price point, you sell your rights to that contract for a fee. And that fee can be five bucks, it can be $20,000, know, whatever you, you negotiate out. And that was very alluring to me. So I ended up wholesaling, started independently, wasn't easy at first. You know, there was a lot of mistakes I made, a lot of learning processes that occurred over time. But after that, I ended up meeting my future wife. We met each other. I did a lot of wholesaling deals, but I, I sold a lot of them to a particular company mm. here in town that all they did was owner finance as an exit strategy, that they asked me to join their team and run their acquisition team. So I decided to do that. We had a team of nine people. We closed over 100 deals in 12 months. I was there for about two years. And at the end of that, my time frame there, you know, Hillary and I had been dating probably like a year and a half, two years, something like that at that point. And we had decided for her to quit her job, and I was going to support her based on my income running this team. But after we, we actually were on our Bahamas trip on our honeymoon because I had proposed to her, and the plan was, hey, we're getting married, you quit your job, I'll support us. But then we went to our honeymoon, and before our honeymoon, we found out that Hillary was pregnant with our first daughter on the way. So we just got married, we found out we had a baby on the way. And on our honeymoon, I was reading The Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, and it just kind of reinvigorated myself to trying to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish rather than working for somebody else. So I decided to quit my job. So basically, all at once, we got married, we had a baby on the way, and we both quit our jobs. And this was at the end of 2015. And then from there, we decided to form two companies, real estate companies, to hit the ground running in January 2016. One company was Hilco Homes, which is our wholesaling company. And then the other is Bella Buyers, which is our portfolio company that we keep Mm. our cash flowing uh, real estate in. And so since 2016, January 1st, Hillary and I have been doing this together and we've, uh, you know, we've done a lot, but we still have a lot, a lot
1: more to go. I love it. I think in the beginning, when kind of life throws you all these different obstacles, and it's like it's a little overwhelming, I'm sure, at first. But obviously, God had favor in your life to be able to, you know, equip you with everything that you need to constantly be able to push through it.
2: We had confidence in each other. You know, for me, I had already wholesaled independently prior to having my job. So I already knew that, you know, we could do it. The problem was, you know, we were starting from ground zero. Sure. and then we had these you know additional challenges of, of a baby coming so there's yeah. like a timeline to kind yeah. of try and get some sort of a foundation in place but you know that's where I've said this before on other podcasts and just conversations is you know the the most important decision that you make is choosing your partner whomever it may be and that might be from a romantic standpoint you know that's what mm-hmm. I'm referencing we're business but even in yeah, but even in business, there's a lot of people where they form partnerships. If you pick the right partner, then you have the ability to really grow exponentially and have that synergistic effect that can help you in, in a lot of beneficial
0: ways.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I love that. So when you were doing wholesaling by yourself, what did that look like? Like, how did you originally get started? Why wholesaling?
2: So Wholesaling, I've loved, like I mentioned earlier, is because, you know, you control the income in a sense. It's based on what your negotiation is uh, or how well you do your negotiation. If you can negotiate well with the seller and the buyer, then you can really make good money. And ultimately, wholesaling is not investing. Investing is where you uh, are incorporating some sort of passive income so that eventually the goal is that your passive income covers your wants and needs, your expenses, and, and you can sure. live off of that in essence, be retired. Wholesaling doesn't afford that. Wholesaling is just a high paying job, just like flipping is a high paying job. Yep. However, if you buy a property and you're cash flowing two hundred bucks, two hundred and fifty bucks or even three hundred dollars, you can't live off of that. You know, two hundred dollars no. a month, you can't live off that. So the solution in my mind, and you know, when we were deciding to do it together was utilizing wholesaling to generate more of the active income that we were gonna be living on on a month to month basis, also an opportunity to kind of help us build more reserves and things of that nature so that we could then redeploy that money into the investment properties that we're acquiring. But you know, there's a lot of freedom associated with wholesaling. Uh, if you do it right, there can be a, a large amount of reward. And the way we've kind of tried to structure it too is if we've kind of grow a machine that has all the different working components that can generate leads where we have motivated sellers selling properties at a discount and we can yeah. have these properties at a discount as we get more capital and we have more financing in place, we can acquire and keep more of those properties. So it's just like another element of hopefully a, a bigger, larger picture down the road.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's extremely smart. It gives you it really sets you up. It sets up the systems and it sets up your future to be able to cherry pick the best of the best deals for yourself to hang on to for the passive income. And, you know, just like you said, I'm glad that you clarified as well, like wholesaling, just like flipping, it's a high paid glorified job that you get to work for yourself, which is awesome. But there is going to be some tough times and and some hard work that's going to have to be put into it.
2: Because in flipping and wholesaling, you're turning in your time for money. Yeah. And the goal is to have money come to you without any of your time investment. That's what you're sure. working towards.
1: Yeah. But at the end of the day, like you can make it extremely lucrative. You can make it all depends on your negotiation skills. I, I actually have a friend locally here in San Diego wholesaled a deal and made $800,000. So oh, it doesn't, man. it's not capped at 20,000. It's a hell of a double closing that you gotta do, which we can do double closing what that is if the listeners don't know. But, but yeah, it's it can be extremely lucrative in certain markets, certain areas when it comes down to negotiations.
2: Oh, totally. And you know, now it's not me wholesaling. Now we have a team. And now yeah. what we're doing is we're building a business. And if we can automate the different components of the business, To where Hillary and I are not the main components of it, and the bottleneck in a lot of ways, and it runs on its own, that in itself can be passive income. Yeah. You know, that's something that we're working towards, too.
1: Marco, just so we don't get too ahead and we do cover the double closing thing, do you guys actively do a lot of double closings, or for the most part, no? No. no, Okay. we We do all assignments.
2: Okay. I, I, there's a lot of advantages to double closing. You know, the fact that, you know, the seller doesn't know what you're making, the buyer doesn't know what you're making. In some instances, you can have a little bit more control of the deal as well. Um, but I found it's more expensive to do it. There's a few more pieces at play to orchestrate it. But we've found that if we if we're forthright and and honest with our sellers and our buyers and we disclose and we're transparent and we've done our job to build a true human connection with these people building the rapport we haven't run into any issues where they're like oh you're making too much now i have when i first started when i didn't properly explain things or i didn't you know keep in mind their mentality or or what they might expect but now you know we Show them everything, let them know what's going on. And we haven't had any reason to do double closing.
1: Do you think that there's possibly a, a time and a place for, for everything when it comes down to a double closing, when it comes down to the the human mind of like greediness of, you know, even if it's a, for, for instance, my friend that made that $800,000 on a wholesale, obviously it was still a great deal for the end buyer, the investor that ended up putting money into it and flipped it that made maybe a, a hundred or 200,000. But if he would have noticed that this guy's making 800000 and not putting that much work into it at all.
2: Totally. We- oh, of course. So <laughs> the way people need to view items like this is double closing is a tool, just like an assignment is a tool. And sure. you envision yourself like Batman. You're out there and you got your tool belt. And sometimes you might need, you know, maybe the propeller over here. Other things you might need a lock pick. Maybe you need like a gas bomb over here, but they're not all using the same situation and you just need to kind of be building your tool set and your skill set so that you can pull out what you need when you need it to be
1: able to take, to maximize the situation. I love that. That's such a great explanation. It's really good. So when it comes down to leads, as far as investors or wholesaling and, and, Getting that discounted rate, that comes down to negotiating. But how do you get to the point of negotiating? You need to get those leads coming in. Is there, I'm sure you've tried a a bunch of leads across the board, but uh, is there something that you guys, you know, your bread and butter that you like to focus on?
2: Actually, our number one lead source is co-wholesaling. And that's what I would recommend to new people is um, working with other wholesalers. That's probably like the gold uh, element if you can incorporate that. Um, and we didn't yeah. go into that. Yeah, yeah. O- honestly, when I talk to people and they're like, hey, how do I generate leads and that and the other, there's a lot of methods and I can go over that in a second. Sure. But what I recommend people starting out is actually a point of leverage. Honestly, when you're kind of addressing any problem that you're facing and you're going to encounter all kinds of new problems as you grow and stretch and your business tweaks and you hire people and things of that nature. When you encounter the problem try and look at it through the lens of leverage how can i utilize leverage to solve the problem and that might be leveraging time or money or the experience or knowledge of others or in this case if you can build a list of wholesalers at least 20 in your market that would be the minimum you're able to leverage the contracts that all those wholesalers have all there's going to be someone out of that list of 20 that has a contract that they're trying to move and you can bring a buyer to that contract. And if you call it through all 20, maybe they have four leads and now there's four, maybe you can't move all of them, but maybe you can move one or two. So that's one way to look at it. But the other way to look at it too, it's, it's a, it's a double whammy is if you get your own contract, now you have 20 wholesalers that you built a relationship with that you can leverage each of their buyers lists and each, wholesaler might have, you know, there might be some overlap, but they built their own list. And if they uh, find a if they push your deal out to their list, then you're leveraging all the work and time and energy they put into building their list and they can bring buyers to your contract. So we do a lot of co-wholesaling. We work with a lot of wholesalers, whether they're new or experienced, it doesn't matter. We want to work together and and get to a point where we're helping one another and building that win-win relationship. Um, That's our number one. After that, I would say direct mail is our number two the leads that we go after in direct mail is right now. We've been focusing more on tax delinquent. Okay. Uh, we've been pretty, we've been doing pretty well on that. Um, but also I really like the vacant list. There's a website actually, if people want to write it down, it's vacant house data feed. Maybe it's vacant houses at uh, plural. I forget vacant house data and the subscription you know, it's a little on the expensive side. It's like $100 a month. But what they're doing is they're providing the leads that are registered from the USPS that are marked vacant. Oh, wow. So If those properties are marked vacant, then there's Usually there's some sort of potential motivation there. Yeah. And um, we, we direct mail those. Those would be great for skip, skip tracing as well. The, the website is great with the mailers. You'll get a lot of turn mail too, but they also provide skip tracing phone numbers. Those aren't the best in the world, but it's like a nice added bonus. You know, hey, phone numbers, you can call down for free. Sure. Uh, but those are the two main lists that we're focusing on from a direct mail standpoint. And then beyond that, we do a lot of cold calling. I make my team do a lot of cold calling which is my favorite uh, technique, by the way.
1: Yeah. So what, what are the KPIs? Like, what's the breakdown, I guess, of the cold calling algorithm? Like, you guys call maybe 800 to 1,000 to get how many leads? So honestly,
2: each person is kind of different depending on um, their experience level. Sure. So we don't, we haven't really incorporated like mojo uh, dialers on our individual team members. Uh, We are starting to implement that with some VAs, but I don't really have, we haven't been doing it long enough to actually incorporate like KPI type numbers. Okay. With my team, my minimum that I really shoot for them to call each day is no less than 40 new calls. If you keep in mind that they're working leads, they're doing follow-ups, those type of things. I want them to be making at least 40 calls and new potential leads a day. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes they blow way past that. They might get 80 in a day or whatever, but that's kind of the the minimum just to kind of build the the habitual component of it. Um,
1: And the secret sauce in that is, you know, somebody that might only get like 15 calls in a day, that could potentially, like other people out there might overthink it and, and say, well, they didn't do their job that day. They might've did the best job by getting those homeowners on the phone and carried out a conversation for 15, 30 minutes to really build that rapport. And that's what you want to do to be able to get that motivation and to build that know, like, and trust factor for them to actually want to deal with you.
2: No, oh, totally. And it depends on how much time you have
0: available. Yeah.
2: You know, honestly, if you sit down and hammer through it and focus, You could do 40 phone calls in an hour, hour and a half, but it just depends on like how many conversations are you having? Did you, when you sat down to make your phone calls, did you eliminate all distractions? Sure. Um, Do you have your, are you prepared for your cold calling session? Do you have the list all ready to go and your, you know, your tools, your computer set up, your paper or whatever, you know, you got to think of all the little inefficiencies um, that might slow you down. So, you know, that's all part of it. Okay. Um, as far as mailers, I, I try and draft it as a, I think of it as more of campaigns. Sure. So I tell people, you know, if they want to do mailers, they shouldn't do mailers any if they don't have more than $2,500. So $2,500 conservatively should land you a contract if you've um, yeah. vetted your list pretty well and, you know, assuming that you're taking the phone calls appropriately and you, you, yes. know, you have the basic levels of negotiations and things like that. That's a good, reasonable um, expectation.
1: That, so that's, if you don't
2: have that, do other, other methods.
1: Yeah. I think that is so good. Like people might send out one email blast or not email blast, uh mailer in general, and then think they're going to get rich on that first one. Like hit, hit that golden arrow or whatever the target. But at the end of the day, it, it really comes down to like that six hit. And if you time it out, maybe every three weeks or so, to really be able to build that relationship and constantly keep smacking them in the face with uh, with your offer, then hopefully yeah. they'll call. And then, like you mentioned, something that's very crucial that I've screwed up on in the past, so learning curves that I've taken on when I've done mailers, I didn't have the systems in place to answer the phone quickly and properly and really be able to, to function that leverage.
2: Yeah the way we have it set up is I try and get a list of right around a thousand, maybe okay. a little bit more, 1200. Sure. Then I do a drop too many people. Like you said, is they just do one mailer or mm-hmm. like, let's say they have the 2,500, they'll go get a list of like 5,000 leads and then they'll mail out. And then they're like, what happened?
1: what happened? I didn't, yeah.
2: I didn't get enough leads or the leads I got were crap or whatever.
1: I've never That's met not- one person that ever got uh, like that. The, the deal on the first drop? Yeah, that never <laughs> happens.
2: <laughs> so yeah, we do it actually a different way. Rather than getting a list of 5,000, we compile it down to maybe 1,000 or 1,200. Okay. We do, it, we do a drop. When we do the drop, we just do postcards just because they're cost effective. Yes. We do a drop. We wait at least two weeks because we want to get all the return mail back. Now, you won't get all of them. Some return mail takes a month to come back but most of them will come back within two weeks. Then we take all that return mail and we take out all that return mail on our master list. So that way, when we do future subsequent mailings, we're not wasting money on leads that we know the mail won't get there. Yeah. Then from there on, we want to do at least seven more drops. Our goal is to touch the list at least eight times, 10 times would be more ideal. And Honestly, I just do it every single week. Sometimes I'll, I'll skip a week depending on like maybe a holiday situation or time of year, you know, if we're hitting Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. So pre- basically every week. And then I rotate my mailers every week. So it's a different mailer. So that's what's happening. We still need to do a little bit better on our split testing to kind of test out mailers. But that's kind of the routine we've done. Then when the phone number we have on our postcard goes to Pat Live, so if yep. you go to patlive.com, com, they'll call in. It's a, a, a real live person every single time. They answer every single time. And we give them the script and the questions we want them to ask. They take the phone call. They get all the questions answered. And then they we get an email. The email gets sent back to us. And then at that point, I have my team starting to work it. And I have my team. They... They claim it goes kind of like, uh, it gets blasted out. Whoever's available to work it right then and there, claim it. And then we go from there. You don't want to call the person back any more than an hour. That's like way too long. The faster you call that person back, the sooner you're going to get them while they're in the mindset of wanting to sell and move forward with you.
1: Sure, sure. Okay. So when they call, they call Pat Live, which is an automated leverage that you can have a physical person, answer the phone and be able to go through a script to see if they're well qualified. If they are and motivated, more importantly, then they'll pass it on to you guys. And then you guys have to act very fast to be able to call these guys back. The the motivated seller.
2: Yeah. Because if they're calling you, they're ready to talk. Yeah. You caught them in their window and they're thinking about selling they're
1: willing to do it. But Especially if weird. they're, if they're willing to get a call back from you, because if uh, some of them will call you right away and they're not motivated, they're just like, kind of yeah, uh, We'll get a lot of those too. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
2: So, you know, they're going to call you and that's it during that window, but these are like normal human beings and they're not mm-hmm. normally thinking about like selling their property. Maybe the, in that moment they were like ready to do it. But as soon as they hang up, they're like second guessing themselves. Oh, I wasted my time. I don't know if I want to, or my sister's going to get mad at me or you yeah. know, I don't know about the, you know, doubt, and fear creep in Yeah. or they're just, you know, living busy lives or going back to work or whatever. And so if you miss a window, then you might have to, Reach out, reach out, reach out. It might take three or four days to get a hold of them again. And if you, if you don't do a good job getting a hold of them, there might be somebody else or that can't. Or they might go talk to their sister and come up with a different solution. Or maybe they'll decide to list it now. Or, you know, things happen. So you need to catch them while they're in those moments. And the faster you act, your percentage of being able to do the deal dramatically increases.
1: Yeah. It's awesome to have that first level of funnel with Pat live as well, because if you do have somebody that calls up almost wasting your time saying, you know, well, what's your offer? You know, I'm not going to talk and just what's your offer. And then, you know, they hang up. That's not somebody that's motivated. If you can't get go through your script of certain qualifying questions to ask them to be able to figure out what their number is that they are looking for then that's not a motivated hot lead. So it's best to have that first funnel that you hire out to be able to kind of level it out. Uh, also going back, as far as getting your letters together, there's a million different sites out there. I personally have used yellowletters.com. It's just automated and easy, but uh, I'm sure you guys have a bunch of different lists as well. So, so for mailers, there's
2: clicktomail.com, the yep. number two. That one's a good one. One we used a lot for a long time was... 3dmailresults.com and we use I, I like their there was like three other postcard templates that I liked cuz they were really simple and not too image driven it was just kind of straight to it. Yeah. Um, now we're implementing our REI Pro so myreipro.com yeah. just because there's a little bit more um, capability in in that subscription and so we've probably been doing that one maybe 2 months now or something like that. Okay. But really when we first started out, Hillary and I, my wife, we would drive for dollars every Saturday for like at least three months. Maybe it was more, but I'd say at least three months every Saturday. And I, you know, I got her to buy into the vision. We were doing this together. Keep in mind that, you know, we, this was new for both of us, but we wanted to make it work and we were committed together. So every Saturday we would get in the car and drive the entire day or until she got motion sick, which, you know, depending how long that happened (laughs) she was she was the one riding I was the one driving yeah we would we would compile all all these lists and drive 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 you know writing down vacants that we thought were vacant ones that were in disrepair distress and then we would come home and we were printing out all the letters and we signed hand signed each letter both of us did with blue pin and then we took each envelope and we hand wrote on the envelope, uh, our address. Yeah. Like, blue pin um, address and then, you know, obviously a stamp. If you can get a fun stamp, that it that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would just do our drops and we didn't really know what we were doing, but we kind of hit our list every so often. Driving for dollars is like it's very time consuming, but if you don't have money, it's like gold because that's like a custom list. I can go to any website right now and go, oh, do I want pre-foreclosure? Buy that list. Yeah. Oh, do I want tax delinquent? I can buy that list. But I can't buy a driving for dollars list. No. That is a custom list. And if you can do that, you could even sell your own list to local investors and generate some money that way,
0: FYI.
1: You, but, you can leverage that out and really turn it into a business as well. I mean, my, my buddy, uh, David, um, Lecco or Lecco, he ended up uh, coming out with the Deal Machine app. And basically, you can just, as you're driving for dollars or hire on other people to drive for dollars, take a picture right in front of the property itself, a little selfie in it, and it can skip trace for you. And then afterwards, you can send out a mailer with just a couple touches to the button.
2: I haven't used that service, but I do know a lot of people that it's a cornerstone of what they do. So yeah, Deal yeah. Machine's definitely definitely really popular
1: yeah there's um there's a lot of success with it if you're driving for dollars and driving for dollars like you said like you need to actually put in the work to get that so it's there's no list out there for it and when you get to physically see what the neighborhood looks like and then what this particular property distressed or what have you is in then it's it's a no-brainer which is awesome
2: totally but yeah i mean when we first started that's what we did And actually our our best deal in our first year came from one of those mailers. It was a, and actually they saved our letter for like eight months or nine months or almost a year or something. It was a a daughter who she lived in the home. She was renting it from her mother. Her mother lived in Puerto Rico and she was saving it and she knew her mother was going to sell at some point. And so when her mom said, you know what, let's sell it or whatever. She had our letter tucked away blew the dust off of it and then you know called us up and we were like yeah we'll go look at it at that point our daughter had just been born she was like three months old so we brought our daughter we're like a family over here
0: yeah
1: good
2: family business yeah we really connected with us and we connected with her and you know it was a great deal
1: that's so awesome did they know your intentions to wholesale it or flip it
2: that one we kept you kept Uh, so Yeah. So we fixed that one. And when we were first doing our strategy for our portfolio, we were trying to do owner finance exits, uh, which there's a lot of benefits by selling your properties owner finance rather than renting. But we didn't realize that it's a little bit more tax heavy going that strategy. In the early stage and early years, we're trying to keep as much capital as possible. So we switched our strategy to rentals. But that was one of the first properties we owner financed uh, in the early stages
1: so you as the owner are doing seller financing to the tenant or whoever else
2: yeah so that deal particularly the way we acquired it is we got private money it was just some gentleman who had money in a bank account and we told him hey we're buying deals and you know we're looking for somebody that we can pay a rate of return on that would work with us and he said yes and so we got the deal i think he gave us a loan at 9.5 or nine nine percent even yeah and so then we Got the house. It was, we got it at 70, I think 72. And uh, the property was worth 150. We owner financed it at like 148. And we got like a, I think a 15 or 20,000 down payment. It's been a while. Uh, and then we, we sold an interest rate at 9.5% on that.
0: Nice. So
2: we were only paying like 9% on like roughly 90 grand, maybe 95. Mm-hmm. But we were being paid nine point five percent on like one hundred thirty grand. So yeah, we were making that cash flow in between, and we got the down payment up front. So yeah,
1: that's awesome. And everything successful with that deal?
2: Yeah, we ended up selling that note. Nice. <laughs> uh, I think okay. last year. Okay. Yeah. So we have two more notes that we need to sell, but everything else is uh, rentals.
1: Okay. So I want to talk about private money, raising it. I also want to talk about learning curves. But before we transition into those, I wanted to see as somebody just getting started in wholesaling and to be able to build the team out, you know, to get to that point, what would be maybe the top like three or five things that you could think of that is like extremely important to, for somebody to utilize?
2: So I'm going to go very general from a foundation standpoint. Number yeah. one, you need to educate yourself as much as possible. Mm-hmm. There's so much that you need to know to be able to do a deal successfully that if you're not putting in the effort to actually educate yourself, that you're going to be able to, you, you might not be able to close the deal or you might not be able to make as much money or you might be just like missing out on potential deals that you didn't even know were deals just because you're lacking education. Yes. So uh, learning is huge. It, 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 um sharpening your saw building your skill set is going to be huge and quite honestly in this business you're always going to be learning but in the in those early days early stages you need to put an extra amount of time to the learning side
1: yeah i mean there's so much in the beginning before i actually got started i was doing so i was working two jobs two restaurant jobs six days a week like full time at both it was about like 14 to 16 hour days really crazy stuff but I, I still manage to put in four hours every single day of education. So every day I was picking up books. You I was wanted reading, it. Yeah, man. I, I wanted it super bad. And the more education I was doing, I found out like real estate is my passion because I was getting so much more excited. Like, dang, I, I, I had no idea you could get that creative with real estate. And when there's a will, there's a way to be able to funnel it and, and make that win-win situation, which is awesome. Totally. And, you know, there's two different
2: personality types. There's those action takers, their A personality, and then there's the B personality that where they're just analyze and do a lot of education. If, if you've gone, like, more than a month and you haven't taken any sort of action you're in like analysis paralysis yeah you need it you know knowledge is great but it's applied knowledge that actually creates success so you need to actually be taking action yeah the next thing is i would say trying to build a a team around you people that can help you uh, when you have deals that come up so a a title company is going to be huge
0: yes Um,
2: you know depending on your state maybe a real estate attorney as well if you go to some like networking events, try and get involved in the community and what's going on in the industry so you can find people and connect with people. You might find another wholesaler that might have a deal for you or you might have an investor who will buy your next deal or maybe you'll find another wholesaler that remembers how he or she, when they got started, it was hard and they see something in you and want to help you out. Um, So, you know, getting connected with those people are huge. And then the next thing you need to do is you just need to over overwhelm yourself with leads, trying to talk to as many people as you can, go door knocking, send out mailers, go driving for dollars, you know, talk on, uh, talk to all those wholesalers, make a list of twenty wholesalers, join fifty real estate Facebook groups, yeah, involved in those communities and see what's going on with those. But you need to start trying to generate leads. Maybe you can have an agent that finds leads for you on the MLS, and you can try wholesaling those our first you know i've been wholesaling a while then i worked for that company but then when hillary and i decided to do this together our first official deal in hilco together was a deal off of mls so you can wholesale deals off of mls as well but you know trying to get connected with people quality people who are knowledgeable in the realms that you know are gonna you're gonna need in your deal or in realms that you might not have the knowledge base in is going to be invaluable And ultimately, if you can position yourself to where you can get someone that can teach you and guide you, a mentor, that would be great. Now, there's a lot of people in the real estate business um, that can take advantage of new people. Mm. But um, I think if you uh, do a good job of integrating yourself, yeah. Into the community. You can ask people about other people, get referrals. Uh, you can also ask the person that is willing to help you if they've helped any others, if they have references, and just do a you know trust but verify kind of scenario. Yep. But if you can get somebody that is authentic and genuine and uh, can guide you and help you, that'll propel you so much further, and you'll you'll avoid mistakes, but also yes. make good decisions faster, because you're uh, going down the path that's already been trailblaze in a way. And um, you're going to be able to follow in the footsteps of somebody that's already done it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you'll be able to hit your goals a lot faster, and you'll learn a lot quicker. So
1: yeah, it's it's powerful to see, you know, certain people that I'm even coaching that will cut their learning curves, like drastically, like my very first deal, it took a year and two months, when at the most, it should have took Two months and I I got screwed over on five contractors. Like, I should have sued at least three of them. So, the list goes on and on with how much time and energy and stress and funds that I wasted. And now, seeing other people avoid all that stuff, it's like it's the most fulfilling. And they're still stressing out a little bit because it's their first deal. But at the end of the day, when I can see it from like a far distance, it's like, dude, you got nothing to worry about, which is awesome. And, uh, it's it's a blessing and you do align with the right people. Totally. So when I first
2: started I left this out in my story. Before I joined that group. Yeah. Uh, the education mentor group. I actually paid a guy ten thousand dollars to <sighs> mentor me and teach me. And I'm like twenty two, so that's like all the money I got. Yeah, that's like, it. I had and I had to like pull money from my credit cards. I basically put myself in a really bad spot. But I really Thought I believed in the guy and I thought we could go somewhere. Sure. A, a month after I paid him, he ended up moving to an entire city, different city altogether. And, you know, didn't really help me at all. So that can happen to you, but you got to think of it like this. Do you need a mentor to start and get, get to hit your ultimate goals? No, no. but like I mentioned earlier, when you're trying to encounter problems, think of a point of leverage. If you have funds to pay a mentor, or that mentor, some of them will do it for free, Yeah, leverage their experience, leverage their knowledge, leverage um, the the connections alone that people like that might have, uh, or deals that they might find for you or whatever because of their network or deals that come in or whomever, that's a great opportunity to kind of get to the next level. Not necessary, But if you're trying to get there a little quicker, you know, it's a great opportunity of leverage for
0: sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, as we go throughout that real estate journey, books will take you so far. And then when you start running into some problems, some issues, and you don't know how to overcome them, that's the great time to have those relationships build up with people at your local RIA group uh, that are crushing it in exactly your, your strategy that you're implementing. And just simply taking somebody out for coffee or a beer or like lunch or whatever. If they have the time and they're willing to sit down with you, then you guys can brainstorm and use people as resources, a quick phone call away to be able to hopefully solve those problems and come up with some solutions together.
2: And let me make a quick comment on that. Yeah. When you're you're trying to communicate with somebody and, and you're trying to get something from them, you're trying to get knowledge from them or maybe hope that they will guide you or mentor you or whatever. Don't go it, into it with the mentality of taking.
0: Give, give, give. Into it.
2: Yes, you need to go into it with the mentality of giving. So yes. Don't expect somebody, like if somebody came to me and said, hey, let's just get coffee. I, you know, I got a family. Yeah, I got, you're I'm busy married. <laughs> i busy man. I'm not going to just go take coffee or even a beer. I, I have people that have say, hey, let's go out for dinner. No, I'll, they'll pay for it. It doesn't matter to me. But if, if you're bringing value to somebody, that's a whole different story. So say, hey, you know what? Do you mind being with me? I actually have 30 leads I have. I think this one's really close. I'm close on the numbers. I need another set of eyes on it or whatever. If we can do the deal, maybe we can split it or you make something on it or whatever. Yeah. Or even better, if you have an actual contract, if yeah. you show it with a contract, believe me, you'll get something to do through <laughs> it real quick.
1: Yeah. You know, and that's the power because at the end of the day, like you said, uh, it comes down to the three things, you know, educate yourself first. And then build that team, get all the relationships of people knowing exactly who you are, what you're doing, what your intentions are. So they're sending you leads. And uh, once the leads start coming in, you're definitely going to want to take action on them by analyzing them and submitting the offer on every single one. If you go from like a, a rule of thumb, analyzing three deals per day, submitting an offer on at the very least one, but ideally all three no matter how far the spread is if they want a million dollars and you can only justify putting, you know, $5 on it if you give them the reasoning behind it then it is what it is you know you're not wasting your time and you're putting but but you know once you get these leads out there these offers out there it's the numbers game you know you're you're bound to get if you're going off those algorithms you're bound to get one deal under contract within 30 to 90 days And that's powerful when you actually truly have a contract, because until you have a contract, nobody's going to lend you money up front, especially being brand new. And it's going to be very difficult because you have no track record. So there's no trust. There's no verification that you can actually do this. If you get something under contract that's extremely solid, there's plenty of equity in there, plenty of spread, then you'll be able to find the money. And if you can get a long closing date on it, but have your name signed on there, then that's the power behind it, having that contract.
2: That's so true. I mean, people people have brought us where they like, hey, I got a contract. I don't know if I can find a buyer for this. We'll like take over the whole deal, show them all of our processes, you know, all the documentation, walk them through it. And they're getting a front row seat to exactly how we do everything, and we're cool with that because they just brought us a deal, and it's a win win. But they brought value at the
1: beginning. That's so true. People need to have. I love it. So, what kind of learning curves have have you gone through?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes. Uh, a lot of mistakes. Um, we, there was we a lot of do. mental
1: yeah. yeah. So you know, first
2: off, right out the gate, I gave all my money away. That was a mistake. Yep started me off where i basically had no money and for years i was like barely making it sure. H- having to ask uh, my parents for money you know I, I actually didn't even own a microwave for a long time because i couldn't afford one they're uh,
1: overrated i'm just, <laughs> <kidding>. I'm just <laughs> kidding. no
2: actually i got so i would tell everybody i was just you know i wanted to force myself to learn how to cook and, and be proficient which i did <laughs> but the real funny. reason is i couldn't afford it yeah um, you know, so that was one mistake. One mistake that I did is I, it took me almost until I got married with Hillary. And I, you know, the story I mentioned earlier, that was like probably seven years after my initial start in the industry for me to sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to acquire my own investment properties.
0: Mm.
2: I had a lot of, I had done partnerships on like a flip, you know, I'd done partnerships on some rentals and things like that. Some of them were friends and family and things like that. But I never owned one myself. And so okay. I was never truly in control of the deal. And here I am being an agent, finding people all kinds of deals. I'm you know, a wholesaler, giving out all these deals to people. And uh, you know, I worked for that company. All we did was service the clients and I never acquired one myself. And that was all because of the mental hurdles that I had in my brain. I was telling myself, oh, I can't get the money or yeah. what if this goes wrong or whatever. And that was me holding myself back. You know, another mistake was when I very first started wholesaling, I wholesale like my first four or five deals to an investor for just a $1,000 a piece. So I was making like one grand off of each of my deals, which to me at the time was like, hell yeah, I moved a deal. Yeah. yeah. Money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, any money is better than no money. But right. come to find out later on. Had I had done my math on it. I could have made like 5 grand plus on each of those, but I didn't know my numbers. I sure. wasn't as educated. That's where education comes in. Yes. And you know, the, the investor you know saw me you're, you're exactly. leaving stuff on the table right there. Yeah, exactly. The investor that. saw <laughs> me as a yeah, yeah. I mean, the investor saw me as a newer person, so he was getting the best deal for him, and I was just not knowledgeable enough to stand up for the value I was bringing to the transaction, which yeah. I was bringing this valuable deal so you know that's a learning lesson i've made a lot of mistakes when it comes to hiring um, not being the best leader for our our team or different team members different uh, ways in which i could have handled certain things but it's all about learning from those mistakes yeah ultimately you you want to learn from the mistakes of others that's the best way to learn so you know learn from what i'm saying
1: yeah. But and, and that's why I bring it up because not to go in down like a, a negative spiral or anything. I, nah, I know. That's,
2: you're, cool. that's who yeah. how how I am now. You know, I've grown from that.
1: Yeah. And and that's like we can all learn from that because like I said, when I originally got screwed over on five contractors, five contractors in a year and two months. Like I I'm so blessed that I bought two properties back to back within two months because the second property, thankfully, was a triplex and that one kept me afloat. That one I had less problems and it, it started cash flowing like crazy to be able to help me out on that first one. Otherwise yeah. it, it wouldn't have worked. And I, right. I also learned the, the whole credit hacking stuff to to be able to pay for the remodels, but but I still got screwed over like bad. Yeah totally. So I think it, I think it's great to hear the the learning curves that we all go through so we can learn from each other and not make those mistakes again.
2: And, you know, the the mistakes, you can't avoid them, they're going to happen. And the way, you know, too many people don't do this, they don't take time to reflect. And that's something I try and tell a lot of people is there should be some consistency for you individually to do some reflection on what you've done, what has worked, what hasn't worked, where you currently are due to the efforts that you put in, and sure. you know whatever actions you're taking, but then additionally, where are you going? Yeah, if you're constantly reflecting on that. You might find that, hey, this goal I wrote down three years ago, actually, I don't want to go down that route anymore. It's yeah. not applicable to the person I am today. Maybe I want to go in this direction now. And, you know, like I said, we started with owner finance as one of our strategies. We reflected on it. It wasn't exactly what we were wanting to go or the direction we want to go. We tweaked, and you know, we went the rental route. Yeah. So you know, if you can do that, then you can always be adapting because the reality is the world around you is always changing and evolving, and you as an individual are always evolving as a person as well. And so, being able to adapt on uh, you know a, a relatively consistent basis will allow you to move forward in a, in a positive way.
1: That's right. I, I think keeping like a journal and writing down where you're at currently and then where you plan on being, obviously focusing more on where you plan on being, but it's always great to look back of seeing like where the struggles were. So it is a good reminder so you don't make those mistakes again, but then constantly really dwelling on the future of where you're heading and what needs to be done to get there. I I think that's huge. Just a moment ago, you mentioned fear of, telling yourself, where am I going to get this money or how am I going to be able to get the capital to do these deals? I feel like there's so many people out there that go through exactly the same thing. Like I think we've all been there in the beginning of like, well, how the hell am I going to come up with a hundred grand or whatever it is when I'm just getting started, not knowing how to. From my personal experience, what I've realized is that power of just what we were talking about just a little bit ago of that contract, all down to negotiations. If you can negotiate a earnest money deposit of as low as possible and a solid deal that actually has equity in it and a long closing date, then you have plenty of time to be able to raise that money. I've negotiated $1 down a $35,000 purchase price when it was worth 90000 And I didn't have to close on it for 60 days, two months. So that gives me so much time of like, well, I can assign this, I can find the money, I can raise the money. It's a solid deal. And that's a great contract. Yeah, and th- those are the things that you want to shoot for. Like go for that contract. You know, have power behind it and then you'll be able to if I'm brand new, no experience whatsoever, but I have this, so like, here, you know, give it to somebody. Somebody's gonna give you money for that. And and that's the power behind the education, getting the you know, building the the teams, the relationships and getting the leads coming in so you can get that contract. Totally. I mean, that's what it's all about, and,
2: and that comes from you know just being knowledgeable and being able to orchestrate, put all the pieces together, because you're creating value in the marketplace, and if you yes. can do that, you'll be rewarded for that value you create, and there's a lot of routes you can go. Just like you said, if you have that 60 days, you can be talking to people for 45 of those days.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's so good. Wow, this is also like tremendously great stuff. I know all the listeners are going to be able to definitely be able to take action on this stuff. So as far as building a buyer's list, what, what does that look like for you guys? How is there any tips or tricks that you would give to somebody trying to come up with that buyer's list to be able to fire sale some of these deals quicker?
2: Sure. So again, I recommend the building a list of wholesalers first. Yeah, but that that's huge. Okay. But if you're trying to build your own list, uh, there's a lot of different things. Uh, first off, you like join those 50 Facebook groups, yep. post in the group, say, you know, I have a contract uh, with these details. This would be an assignment contract. Who buys these contracts? Or who is a buyer for this zip code? Where are my cash investors uh, at? And then just try and develop it that way. But even better than that, and people look past this in a lot of ways. Is you know most people go to Google for the Google search bar and do a lot of searching. That's powerful. But the Facebook search bar is actually very powerful as well. And if you go into the Facebook search search bar and you type in you know you know maybe start in a group and type cash buyer you know uh, pick any wholesaling houses full time and then type cash buyer behind it and then click on posts. There's people that have already done what I just referenced and you can go back from a month ago and go in the comment section. There's all these emails for you. Yeah. That you can add to your list or you can message even better. Click on each person one by one by one and message them individually. And, and where the future is going, social media is even more powerful. So you can even go on the Instagram, type in a hashtag for us, San Antonio real estate or San Antonio investing or San Antonio investor and then go through each profile, message each person individually. It takes time, effort, but the people you connect with are going to be legitimate connections that you build. Yeah. The other things you can do is put bandit signs around the property in that neighborhood with the details of that uh, contract. Another way that I like to uh, approach it is if you have access to MLS, look at all the cash sales in the last six months or a year, depending on the volume of the area. Yes. Look at each buyer's agent that represented that cash buyer client And reach out to each of those agents and say, hey, I saw that your buyer two months ago bought a house for cash two streets over. Are they wanting more properties in that area? Because those cash buyers are usually investors. Yeah. Okay, if that client doesn't, do you have other clients? Yeah, Yeah, who else do you know?
1: Don't give up. I love that. So, um,
2: you know, those are just some basic methods that you can try.
1: I think those are all great tips. I think the social media thing as well, just like you said, it would take a little bit of time. And if you don't have the time or don't feel like doing all that work in the beginning, hire it out, get a virtual assistant to do. I mean, it's very simple stuff uh, to be able to systemize that and tell them, you know, do it once, make a quick video of it and send it off to somebody, a uh, virtual assistant for extremely cheap. And so you can build out that solid list of people that are serious, that want to see you know some wholesale deals that you want to send them totally and that. with
2: virtual assistants you can control how much you pay them like it exactly. might be three dollars an hour five dollars an hour whatever yep. it is and most people might automatically project to all right a 40 hour week work week yep Two hundred dollars a week or whatever but you can just say hey you know what uh whomever you hire virtual assistant i don't want to pay any more than a 100 dollars this week yeah okay you can put that cap yep and then boom control your expense but that way you're still getting leverage
1: Yep. Yeah, we do exactly the same thing. And uh, from what I'm comfortable with, and then we we put it down there of the the amount of time that we think it uh, it should take. So it makes sense. I love it. Cool. And then let's, before we wrap up, I want to talk about private money. I know before we jumped on, you were mentioning a little bit about private money. There's some tips and tricks that that you've felt that are very helpful and good for, you know, possibly the listeners out there. Anything to add on that? Yeah. So,
2: Private money is actually something that I think each person needs to be working on.
1: Sure.
0: Um,
2: Regardless if they already have funds associated or like, you know, access to bank money or have access to credit cards or even hard money money, uh, options as well. I totally agree. Yeah, exactly. The reason private money is so important is because... It's not about the money. It's the source of the money. And the, the, the source of the money, exactly, it's just a normal person yep. who has money in a bank account or has money in a retirement account who um, doesn't have the time, the energy, or the knowledge to be able to put that money to work in the real estate world and get the rate of return consistently. Yes. <clears throat> that's where you step in. Maybe you have the time, the energy, and, and the knowledge, all of them, to put it together. And that's where the synergistic uh, element can come in. But the big change for me when Hillary and I were doing this together is for seven years, I had the conversations I've been having were all about selling deals or finding out how I could get more deals to sell them. I was an agent. I was a wholesaler. Okay. okay. and when I ran the team I was running for, you know, we were trying to get deals in to push them out uh, to our, our client. I wasn't having the conversation of, Hey, would you want to partner with me on a deal or be my money, man, my money, woman on the deal. Would you yeah. ever be
0: interested in
2: uh, participating with me in a deal? You know, I tell people this all the time, but you have to change your conversation. Yep. You'll, what you'll find is when you're on the phone, when you're networking events, you go into default mode of what your comfort zone or what your normally day to day thing is, but that might not be in alignment with what your overall goal was uh, was me as a wholesaler wasn't truly in alignment with me wanting to become an investor. Now there's a little bit of overlap, but if I'm wholesaling all day long, I'm never gonna acquire a cash flowing asset. So I needed to change the conversations I was having with everybody. And it quite honestly started with making a list. And actually, it's not just making a list once, it's actually revisiting the list on a consistent basis and calling through that list over and over. And what, you're, what you need to do is write down all your friends, all your family members, yes. all your family friends, all your old co workers, your old boss, people you went to high school with,
1: people you went to middle school with, people the you mailman, with. your doctor, yeah. like my everybody. neighbor, like anybody, everybody. everybody. Old neighbors. Yes. So,
2: yes, everybody. So when you're doing this, your brain is automatically going to tell you, oh, no, that person. You don't have anybody. They don't have any money. That person, I don't want to talk about money with them. That's awkward. Or you know, you know, I haven't talked to grandma in five years. Yeah. You know, all your brain's gonna do that. You need to power through that. Yeah. Write can down. Pull
1: that out. The,
2: the goal of the list is just writing down the names. Yep. Then what you do is you just call down the list. You just call down the list and you just tell them, hey, you know, mom, dad, whomever, I, uh, you know, the end of 2019 is coming up. Uh, one of our major goals for the end of this year is to aqu- acquire uh, our own investment property. It's going to be a rental property or whatever the strategy is. Yeah. we w- This is something we're already doing. We've already been educating ourselves. In fact, we have a mentor or something that can help us yeah. through this. Um, but we're looking for somebody who would want to partner with us on this deal. Is that something that would work for you? And then you just ask them. Or if you want to do a softer route, you can say, do you know of anybody? You don't even offer it to that person. You just say, do you know of anybody that would be interested in this? In their brain, they're yeah. automatically thinking of themselves. So yes. they, they can offer up themselves if they want to, and then it makes the conversation easier. Or if they don't, they can refer you to somebody, which is cool
1: anyway. I'm so, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's my personal favorite route, because people are naturally selfish. So they naturally, in a respectable way, (laughs) but they they naturally think of themselves. And it's also the takeaway factor of, well, like, well, why do you think of me? You know, and um, if you just let them know, like, well, who do you know that might be interested in something like this? Plus, after they do think about themselves, or maybe they naturally start off on the right foot of thinking of other people that might be able to help out. And then you guys are problem solving together. And instead of just them shutting down and saying, no, I don't I don't have any money for you, they might actually try to have a deeper conversation to make them feel comfortable in talking about it to maybe get the money from somebody else.
2: Yeah, so that's all very, very true. And, you know, the mentality that you need to go into this is basically no one's going to say yes right out the gate. Yep, it happens, but not very often. People are going to separate themselves into three categories: no, yeses, and maybes. Okay, you need to focus on the yeses and the maybes initially, but the noes still get touched. Just like you, just like you develop. You know, if you've already been wholesaling or you've already got to start, it's the same concepts. Yep, get a list of motivated sellers, and some people say no, I'm not selling my house, or maybe, what kind of offer do you got? Or yes, I want to sell it. You know, here's the price. Let's make it happen you follow up with those people over and over and over and over. And you try this strategy. You do, Well, what if we did a longer closing date? What if I pay a closing cost or, you know, Hey, a month's gone by, you said you were going to be out of town. You know, well, how about now? You know, you yeah. call them over and over and over until you get a deal and most of them don't work out, but some do. And those are the deals you accomplish. Same with these private potential private lenders. You just need to touch base with them over and over. And when you get your deal, send it to the entire list. Hey, Got our deal that I told you we were going to get. Here's some of the numbers on it. I'll let you know on the next one. That's right. Send them the next one and say, oh, here's the new numbers. And here's, you know, I'll let you know on the next one. And they'll raise their own hand when they're ready to. Or if you're doing proper follow up, call them once a month or three months or whatever's appropriate for that lead. Next week, they'll say, hey, you know, I saw that one you sent out. You know, that one looked really good. Tell me a little about it. All right. So if I did do it, what would it look like?
1: Yes. You, you want to get somebody to the stage that that prospect lead right there, you want to get them to the stage of so if I invested with you in this certain situation, what would this look like? What would the returns be for me? And that's a that's a great spot to be in. So never give up, stay persistent and stay consistent. The more you're grinding and, and following your path within real estate and not giving up, to the first door that slams you in the face. People will naturally have respect for that and then be more open to you in the near future, which is awesome. Yep,
2: our first private lender was my, a friend of mine that I, um, from my college days. Sure. And he had seen that I was in real estate talking about real estate, I kept him up to date, blah, 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 blah. But when I officially changed my conversation and actually legitimately asked him, hey, would you be interested in a deal? All those years of me just being his friend, talking to him about what I've done, <laughs> built a credibility to where he was like, yeah, I'd consider that. And he yeah. financed their whole deal.
1: I love it. And also when you're with friends or family and they're used to one side of you of joking around or having fun, I think there's a time and place for everything, but to have that serious conversation, the straight face of like, this is a business opportunity. I would like to make you some money. And as well as myself, there's a lucrative opportunity one way or the other, I'm going to close it. Would you like to be a part of it? Those uh, it creates a win-win situation and a great relationship moving forward. Totally. Well, Marco, I appreciate you so much, brother. I feel like this has been a tremendous amount of knowledge for all the listeners for Ready Set Go Real Estate Investing for them all to be able to take action on and be able to crush it. There's plenty of education, motivation, and just opportunity for them to take action on everything that you just gave out. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your day on Labor Day. Out of all days to be able to give back to them. How can people get uh, a hold of you?
2: So, uh, it's been my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to when we can do it with Hillary as well because she brings yeah. a whole other element to it. Oh, I know. But people can reach out to both Hillary and I through Facebook or Instagram. Okay. On Facebook, you can probably find us best through our companies, which is Hilka Homes, yep. Hilka Homes. It's like a green circle logo, but I'm Marco A Romero on Facebook and on Instagram I'm Mako Mello. So if you just look me up those ways, you can reach out to me, ask me questions. I'm a, I'm a giving guy, so just let me know.
1: You're an open book. I love that about you, and, and your heart's always in the right place, always trying to help other people out and get them to the next level. So you're an amazing man. I really do appreciate it. How can the listeners, you know, you just gave an hour of your time, a little over actually, out of your day to give back to the listeners. What can the listeners do to give back to you?
2: Well, like I mentioned earlier, if they have leads that they want help on, Bring it to us, the Hilco Homes, and we can help them with it, but at the same time, we can make it a win-win for both of us.
1: I love it. That's awesome, brother. Perfect. All right, brother. Well, Marco, I appreciate you so much. Nothing but tremendous knowledge, and your expertise always shines every time we get on the phone, so I appreciate you, brother. If you guys want to connect with me, do me a favor. Reach out with the podcast. Make sure that, ideally on iTunes, but anywhere that you listen to any type of podcast. Check out Ready, Set, Go, Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get the newest episode every single Monday. And leave a review. Let me know what you guys think of it. That just helps. iTunes has their own special algorithm to help promote it out there to more people. And like I said, this whole podcast is geared towards educating, motivating, and preparing you to be able to take action. That being said, if you guys want to reach out to me, uh, you can do so at BrandonElliottInvestments.com. And uh, Instagram, it's Brandon Elliott Investments. And then Facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott REI. So till next time, thank you guys all for joining in. Marco, appreciate you, brother. You have an amazing day, my friend. Thank you. You too. Stay blessed, guys.
0: This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time,
1: God bless.